Welcome to Machine Learning, How the World Works, Superman 3. Superman 3 is a surprising episode because it raises quite a few points about weapons of mass destruction. So in Superman 3, we got our main man, Christopher Reeve, or as Superman, and yours truly, Richard Pryor, as Gus Garman, a computer genius who gets caught up in some shady business with a billionaire named Ross Webster. Now, Gus gets involved in a scheme to control the world's weather and corner the coffee market. Meanwhile, Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, heads back to Smallville for his high school reunion and reconnects with his old flame, Lana Lang. But things get real crazy when Gus creates some synthetic kryptonite that splits Superman into two persona, the good old Clark Kent and an evil corrupt Superman. They have an epic battle in a junkyard and Clark comes out on top. Get rid of his, getting rid of his evil side. I love that version because I, I had a, the AI summarize my review in the voice of Richard Pryor's. I thought that was pretty good how it did it says, in the end, Superman saves the day, stopping Gus supercomputer, restoring the world's oil supply. It's got action, humor, and a whole lot of heart, man. So that's Superman 3 for you. Okay, that that's an interesting persona of, uh, of uh, Richard Pryor. Okay, the opening scene starts with a shot where Mr. White and Jimmy busy, uh, are busy setting up the travel shoot shot, bingo winner promotion at the Daily Planet. Gus Gorman plotted to control plots to control the weather satellite, which will spoil the lucky winner's wedding trip to South America. <clears throat> Lois is departing for the tropical island for her first for, <coughs> for her next assignment. Excuse me. Clark and Jimmy are on the assignment to Smallville to write an article about class reunions the prodigal son and his photographer going home. Gus Gorman is a computer genius who receives $143.80 a week. Gus invents a salami slicing routine uh, where a half cent unpaid transactions float around in the computer into his expense account. Ross Webster's account, G GL, reports traces that $85,000 are missing and points to Gus. Russ calls Gus a naughty genius. Russ never wears the same socks twice. Ross wants Gus to help him corner the coffee market. Russ tells Gus, jail is for rapists and robbers, and the rapists rob the robbers, implying a torturous option for Gus. Russ wants to create an artificial scarcity and control the price of coffee by destroying the Colombian harvest, thereby positioning him to dictate the economy of the free market. How? Russ wants Gus to reprogram the Vulcan satellite to cause weather disruptions, rainy seasons, hurricanes, and tornadoes in Colombia. Gus says he will need a small Mickey Mouse terminal to do the work. 
one is found in Smallville. Coffee scarcity is short-term. Eventually, a greenhouse method of supplying coffee would meet world demand. Russ's dream of controlling the free market was a deception. On the bus route to Smallville, a chemical fire erupts. Jimmy and Clark, uh, Jimmy and Clark arrive on scene. Jimmy wants exclusive pictures telling Clark, danger goes with the territory, Mr. Kent. Clark transfers in, transforms into Superman when the pump house fails and the firemen are without water and a fire threatens a storage unit of corrosive solid acids, which is about to become vapor, acid vapor that can eat through steel, everything, and destroy all life on Earth. Superman blows compressed, currents of cool air at the nearby lake. He then lifts the lake to the fire and drops it and the ice changes to water from the heat and extinguishes the flame. One fireman says that man is a miracle. At the reunion, Clark is antisocial and he carries on a dull dialogue with an aged teacher. Clark sees Lana and says, Lana Lang, it's great to see you. Lana reciprocates coming to Clark that this is the first time since the death of his mother that he's returned to Smallville. Brad Wilson, who was Lana's uh, prom, prom king, harasses Lana, but Lana wards off his social interactions. Uh, Brad Wilson was the football captain. Lana says to Clark, I always wish that you would talk to me. In the comic strip, Lana Lang was an insect hero. Lana envies Clark's adventures in the metropolis, calling it the Big Apricot. Lana says, Clark, you've never married. I guess that's the one, I guess that one's that got away. Clark learns that Lana has a son named Ricky. Lana feels sorry for Ricky, telling Clark, Ricky is the only kid in town without a father. Lana invites Clark to Ricky's birthday party and the bowling, group bowling. Ricky is a terrible bowler. Brad steps in and wants to show up Clark. Embarrass Ricky and overpower Lana, bringing to Clark that he is the champion. Bragging to Clark that he is the champion. Clark bowls a strike that destroys all the pins. Gus reprograms the Vulcan satellite to cause a five-year coffee crop uh, recovery a 250-mile-an-hour hurricane. Gus complains to Russ that just as the destruction started, Superman began doing his thing. Superman is bad. Russ brainstorms and decides he wants to create an oil shortage. Russ wants Gus to reprogram the computer and tell it the oil tankers to converge at a certain place in the Atlantic Ocean. Gus needs to stop Superman. But what can stop Superman? Kryptonite. Gus says planet Krypton blew up. There's a Krypton debris floating around in space. And Gus can use the Vulcan laser to analyze the composition of the Kryptonite and synthetically reproduce it on Earth. Gus wants to share in the profits, telling Russ, I'm not making enough money for this gig. Gus has manufactured a perfect replication of Kryptonite but 5% is an unknown element. Smallville 
Mayor awards Superman the keys to the city of Smallville. Gus impersonates a general, and he offers Superman the kryptonite replica, which has no effects that are visible. Eventually, Superman becomes evil from the influence of the rock. Gus convinces Russ to build a supercomputer that can think. Gus uses the computer to order all the oil tankers to the Atlantic, commands the pumps to stop pumping, and causes irreversible damage to the computer systems. In the 1970s, resentment of the oil rich oil companies is rhetorically included to something is always someone is always getting richer. Who suffers? The small guy. Ricky yells at super at the evil Superman. Tell them that you're getting better. You're just in a slump, and you'll be great again. That reminds me of Trump. Uh, make America great. We were just in a slump. You can overcome this. You can do the things that free markets like, like lower taxation, lower interest rates, um, more productivity, more innovation, and you will rise to the top. Superman recovers, defeats Gus' supercomputer that can find anyone's weak spot, and restores oil back to an energy-starved world. And we just really feel the pain today at four, going on $5-gallon gas. Uh, we haven't had low-cost oil for a long time. Okay, so the supercomputer, let's talk about the parallels to the supercomputer and Superman and the real weapons that are used, the invisible weapons today that are used to influence economies, weather, uh, earthquakes, and so forth. These are called skellier weapons. This was a con concepts like skellier interferometry by Nikola Tesla's work. According to some sources, the Soviets allegedly used scalar interferometers to modify weather and tap into the quantum vacuum energy. So what that's saying is that uh, the quantum vacuum energy is in the fourth dimension or in another dimension. We don't know actually the dimension it's in, but it, it is um, it behaves differently in quantum mechanics. Okay, so in quantum mechanics, you have things like Maxwell's equation which explains uh, electromagnetic waves and also induction currents and makes predictions on those waves and, and the particles uh, that are for forming those waves. Okay, so, but there was another side called potentials, and I'm going to talk about the potentials where the electromagnetic force is zero, but the potential... It, um, is can be created in a location not necessarily uh, where path is is uh, not not required. So that potential can can exist close or far, and that potential has an effect on uh, physical matter, and that's called a scalar weapon. There. Countries like China and Russia have developed electromagnetic weapons, and they are—they may be um, related to the scalar wave weapons. 
Now, how could they possibly use these weapons? Where would these weapons be? And if they did exist, why aren't we destroying them? Well, they could be hidden in Alaska. Now, how is it that they could be hidden in Alaska? Um, they may be located deep inside of a mountain. Now, because scalar weapons can generate potentials at any path, it could be uh, pass the energy through the Earth and emerge on the other side of the Earth. Uh, location seems to be this is kind of like where the quantum entanglement where uh, the potentials somewhat prove that the Heisenberg theory is false and that the potential theory is correct. And it can be demonstrated with a solenoid. So you have an area where the magnetic field strength is close to zero around the solenoid and then you have particle path going around it and you have a negative and a positive path and the at the end you have a potential and so uh, depending on the the field size of the solenoid the magnetic field size will determine where that potential will merge now what if the Russians had a facility on the moon okay so that's another even uh, stranger place to put it and it could then uh, be used to uh, affect places on earth and the source would not be easily found okay so then how they, how do you get around these circumstantial pieces of evidence to find physical evidence of it since this, the potentials can emerge at at various locations or positions independent of path. Um, a scalar beam could present itself somewhere in the desert of California. Well, this is the location of a weather control grid that's used to disrupt weather around the United States. <clears throat> there for a little while they were showing the effects of the Doppler effects of these scalar weapons and then the formation making predictions <clears throat> from the from the Doppler effects of where tornadoes might emerge or earthquakes might emerge or um, formation or hurricanes. A lot of this man made stuff. But uh, I noticed that after a little while they uh, YouTube wasn't running that anymore, but for a little while they were. So you, again, there's a sterilization process where things are getting cleaned up and you can't find the physical evidence linking this information back. So it, it seems like it is circumstantial. But one of the ideas is that we'll see some of this, uh, things like chemtrails in the sky or uh, effects on the Doppler radar or frequencies in micro micro earthquakes, or um, uh, maybe the color of the sky will give us a clue that uh, these weapons are being used. The uh, targeting of the potential energies can be very small. It can be like the size of a small house, and it can even target a person causing uh, a heart attack-like symptom. 
Now, it's kind of interesting because if you study the the study of entanglement of several particles in quantum mechanics, there is non-local correlations between the properties of two macroscopic systems, the study of non-classical correlations between two or more particles. Okay, so that what that means is that there you have in classic uh, quantum mecha uh, qu classic mechanics, if you have a vector, then the res and a third vector, the the third vector is the sum of the two other vectors. But in quantum mechanics, if you have two vectors, the third vector is the cross product, you know, or roughly equates to that potential being 200 times uh, more powerful. How is this uh, scalar weapon working? What are uh, some of the theories? Of, where did the Russians get the idea of, of this? There was a theorem called uh, Aharonov Bohm. David Bohm was American. Arnovnov sounds like Russian. Is a quantum mechanic phenomenon in which an electrical charged particle is affected by a electromagnetic potential, even in regions where the electric and magnetic fields are zero. This effect demonstrates the local electric E and the magnetic B fields do not contain information about the electromagnetic field. And the electromagnetic potentials play a significant role in quantum mechanics. And see, this was kind of originally quantum mechanics. Uh, the the potentials were were uh, important in physics, but then at some point they became uh, non-important. Whereas Maxwell's equations were describing uh, field strengths, and the focus switched to uh, Maxwell's equations, and the idea of potentials was ignored. The effect is important conceptually because it highlights the physical significance of electromagnetic potentials, which were previously considered as merely mathematical tools in classic electromagnetic theory. The Avernov-Bohm effect has been experimentally, experimentally confirmed in various such situations, including experiments using electron holography and lithography. And that's the one that you'll see on the internet. They, they show um, a holography and uh, where they're shooting out particles and then you see the effect of that third vector uh, or those potentials. These experiments have shown that predicted phase shift occurs under ideal conditions where the magnetic field is confined and does not directly interact with the electron wave. So that what the, that means is that those potentials uh, in those phases are shifts are being manifest. In a typical experiment, a beam of electron is split into two and passes on either side of a long solenoid before being recombined. Okay, this is the classic example I was telling you about. 
the magnetic field is confined within the solenoid, so it's going to move close to the uh, where it's zero, and there's no magnetic or electric field outside. However, the electrons passing outside the solenoid experience a phase shift due to the non-zero static vector potential. That's where this potential, the proof of the potential exists, is in the phase shift. This phase shift is the direct consequence of the Avranov bohm effect and demonstrates the physical reality of electromagnetic potentials in quantum mechanics. So there's your proof through the theorem. The Brahm-Avranov effect, BAE, has been observed in numerous experiences, experiments. Um, BAE was first predicted by American physicist David Bohm in 1951. The Brohm-Avranov effect is a quantum phenomena involving the interference of two or more particles in the presence of a third particle in that same location. This will result in the particles having a velocity that is not in direction, that is the product of their individual velocities. In other words, it's in the cross product. The velocity vector will be in the direction that is the sum of the velocity vectors of the particles. The velocity vector of the particles will point in the direction that is the vector cross product of their velocities. The Bohm-Arbanoff effect is an example of quantum mechanical phenomena that behaves differently from classic physics in the sense that the velocity of the particle is not the sum of the vector of the individual velocities. In classic physics, the velocity of the particles would be the sum of their velocities, but in quantum mechanics, the velocity of the particle is the vector's cross product of their velocities. This quantum mechanical phenomena was observed uh, by David Bohm and Nicholas Weizenkopf in 1952, University of California, Berkeley. Bohm were attempting to measure the magnetic moment of the electron, they placed two charged particles in the same location at the same time. They then, then used a third charged particle to measure the magnetic moment of the two particles. They discovered the magnetic moment of the two particles interfered with each other, and they detected a magnetic moment that was 200 times larger than the magnetic moment of the individual particles. And that then becomes the scalar weapon. The Bowman Avernoff effect is not restricted to electron. It is an effect that exists in all quantum, field, uh, quantum fields. Okay, so how did the Soviets use it? They weaponized these effects for three years, three decades. They've been using it to cause weather problems, um, earthquakes, all kinds of nasty things that affect people and affect economies. They use those potentials uh, first by creating fields E and B. These fields in turn produce physical effects on charged particles. And in the case of the E and B are zero, potentials still exist and produce physical effects on charged particle systems. So that's how they did it. Um, they create havoc and destruction. And why are they doing it? Because they are desperate. Uh, the invisible world of energy weapons is new, but the 
the Russians have developed their energy weapons capable of transmitting energy through the Earth to grid locations around the world. And they basically creates an energy howitzer. Um, 1966, a B-52 bomber carrying a hydrogen bomb was probably struck by a Russian scalar weapon. The B-52 disintegrated in mid-flight. Was there an energy ball in close proximity to the energy howitzer near the plane? The, inter- the plane broke up and, and uh, everything was destroyed on it. You know, there's uh, these energy weapons can pulverize glass and steel and organic material, and they it also can create the covenant death ray. So it's like the super weapon. Uh, the way it does it, it creates resonant frequencies on the building, and then those it, once it hits a key threshold, steel, glass, people in the path of the energy are dissociated into nanoparticles. So it just basically vibrates them apart. Fine debris of matter spread around uh, that location. So there's evidence of of uh, that the resonance disruption. Well, that doesn't sound good, but um, you know these weapons are should. We need to know about them. They're they're almost as dangerous. I think they're almost as dangerous, or maybe even more dangerous than nuclear weapons, because we don't see them. It's invisible, yet the effects seem to be there. But there's no evidence other than the nanoparticles that are left um, that they were used. 